0: By the blood of the Lamb, I stand redeemed before the Great I Am. When He looks at me, He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. And at my best I am unworthy I have nothing precious I can give A broken life is all I have to offer And yet it is a priceless gift to Him bitter mark of sin will never fade away but i can come before him on unashamed i stand redeemed by the blood of the lamb i stand redeemed before the great i am when he looks at me He sees the nail scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I am. When he looks at me, he sees the nail scarred hands. That bought my liberty, I stand redeemed. When he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands That bought my liberty, I stand redeemed.
1: Let's take our Bibles, turn over to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We use this as a uh, passage to kind of kick off things and move along here today. I want to um, ask a question today and kind of give you an opportunity to answer it as we end this uh, morning service. The question is simply this, how will you look when he comes? How will you look when he comes? And... um, That's a very important question, isn't it? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, help us, Lord, today to, Father, honor you with the Word of God, or that's what it's all about, you and your Word. Father, we just pray, dear God, that tonight we would take inventory of our lives, that we truly look at ourselves and ask ourselves the simple question, how are we going to look when you come? But you're coming back, and Lord, if we don't uh, remain alive until the day you return to earth, that... take up the church, we're going to die and find ourselves in your presence. So how are we going to look when we arrive there? It's so important, Lord. We understand, Lord. I understand doctrinally that that we're under the blood. I get all that. Lord, there's also a practical element of living, as this verse is going to point out, that it's important that we understand that as though though God is performing a work, we're going to have to submit to that work. Father, do something in our lives, Lord. Help us to see the way you see. Father, help us to put aside all of our distractions and the things that the world has seemed to just overwhelm us with, whether it be life in general, just situations in our homes, our lives, our relationships, Father, our finances. Lord, may we not be distracted, but we pray that you put a hedge of protection about us, that you keep the devil from stealing away the seed of the Word of God that's going to be planted today. May it take root in our lives, and may it do a mighty work in our hearts and our lives, Thank you for the children today. Lord, what a blessing that was. Father, if there's a reason for us to hold the banner high, it's for our children. If there's a reason, Father, to stay faithful to the faith, it's for the next generation. Lord, I pray that you will help us, Father, to recognize how important it is not to turn back, but to stay going forward for you. We love you. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, Philippians 1.6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a really uh, well-known passage, I believe. If you've been in church a number of years, you've heard this preached and taught and shared and studied and everything else, but the fact is, is that it's a powerful verse, isn't it? It, it? There's a reason why it's so prevalent in our Uh, churches, why it's so needed in our lives, because it's pointing out some real important truths here. Again, being confident of this very thing. You can be confident of some things, and uh, one of the things you can be very confident of is that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to be on the job, okay? And so we're going to note that. Now, today what I want to do is I want to try to um, illustrate this principle a little bit Uh, in light of our buildings here, okay? Because we went through a pretty important uh, and pretty major uh, renovation that took place here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to uh, help us to see what God is trying to do in our lives by based on what he's done in the physical world. Because see, what God's doing in your life is not always as visible as this is. However, it does manifest itself in a visible way in time. So I want to take just a few moments and look at that. Now, uh, again, we're going to talk about a renovation project because that's exactly what God's talking about here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He's talking about renovating your life. He's talking about transforming your life. He's talking about doing that in my life. And so in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we see a renovation project that began. And so I want to talk about that just a little bit. First, we're going to look at the project. We'll look at the project. Um, right off the bat, there's a purchase. Uh, there's no way in the world that we could have started working on the building if the, with the, uh, unless we owned the building, unless we had purchased it. Can I tell you, there's a great price of purchasing the building. It came at a great price. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't free, for sure, in that regard. I mean, it came, it came at a price. Now, I don't want to debate with you about salvation. There's no debate here. There's no price for your salvation other than the price that Jesus Christ paid. But I promise you this, there is a price to pay if you want to be renovated, if you want to be transformed the way God intended you to be. There's a price to pay. Okay, now again, we had to pay a price for this building, to occupy the building. Now, can I tell you that it was free to you, your salvation, but it cost Jesus Christ a price. It cost God a a great price for you. Listen, it didn't come cheap and it didn't come free for him. Now again, it may be free for you and free for me, but it wasn't free for him at all. He had to send His only begotten Son to die on a cross to pay for our sin. He's the one who took our place, and He's the one who allowed the nails to be nailed in His hands and in His feet. He's the one who was mocked and maligned and mistreated. He's the one that was spat upon. He's the one who had His beard plucked out. He's the one who had the crown of thorns placed upon His head. He's the one who received the spear in His side. Jesus Christ paid an awful price for your sin and mine. It cost Him something to purchase the building, if you will. Because, see, the Bible speaks very clearly that you and I have been purchased. We've been bought with a price, the Bible says. Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. We see the price. It cost a lot of people here in this church much sacrifice and giving in order to make the purchase of this building, to make it ours. Hold on. It cost God a great price to make you His possession and to make me his possession. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. What know ye not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? I'm well, not my own. What are you talking about? Well, you've been bought with a price, he says, for you've been bought with a price. We know what that price was. We just expressed it. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. The bottom line is this, you're not your own anymore. I'm not my own anymore. I've been purchased, I've been bought with a price. I'm his property, I'm his possession, and so are you today. The price, it came at a great price. Whether it was this building or whether it was your building, the person that you are. Because your body's recognized as a building, a tabernacle, and it cost God something to purchase you out of the clutches of Satan. And now that property has been transferred into his name. The day we purchased this building, it became ours. The day that the blood was applied to your account, you became his. It all began the day you got saved. You became his property. You became his property. So we see the purchase, but we also note the plan See, the goal of purchasing the building was to renovate it in order to serve his purpose. Because in our case, we bought this building, why? To serve our purpose. That's why we bought it. I didn't buy it so that uh, J.W. Dodato could use it for his purposes. We bought it off of him so we could use it for our purposes. And before we purchased the buildings... You know what? You and I had a pretty good idea what we wanted to do with them. had a pretty good idea. Not only did we know what we wanted to do, but we even had a blueprint drawn up. We all had an idea, and it was very clear what the goal was for this property, what the goal was for this possession. And you know, before you were ever born, God already had a plan for your life. Before you were ever purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, he already knew what he wanted to do and accomplish with you and through you. And he sent his son Jesus Christ in the world. He did that with a purpose, to rescue you from the sin and the filthy hands of Satan. And he did that to purchase you so that you may serve his purpose. By the way, he had a plan, as we said, for your life. He had a blueprint that describes and defines the process and the final product that he desires for you. We see the prospect. Because, see, when we consider the blueprint, we recognize and understand that the blueprint is the word of God. I want to caution you because there's so many people today in our world who find the blueprint in their own mind. They find the blueprint in, in the, the, their relationships. They find the blueprint in their, their association with, with the world, if you will. Listen, there's no believer that can tell me that God spoke to them and told them to kill somebody. Don't tell me God told you to get divorced. Don't tell me that God told you to, to disobey his word. What, what are we talking about here? This is what we, that is not where we find. We don't find the design created in our own image or our own mind. It's like creating a Christ in yourself. We talked about it in our Sunday school classes in the book of 1 John when we recognized that there were some false teachers that were undermining the authority of Christ and the deity of Christ. And as a result, they were undermining the very confidence that the people had in Christ. Their salvation was in question in their mind because their Christ had been attacked. I'm going to tell you what, Christ is found in the Word of God. You, don't have to, you, don't, you cannot define Christ outside of this book. And you cannot find the purpose and plan for your life outside of the Word of God. That's as simple as it is. It doesn't work any other way. So the blueprint is God's Word. It outlines, it describes the steps by which this transformation takes place. And again, God knows the, 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 the many possibilities for your life, like no other. Amen. And he sees you differently than probably you see yourself, and I'm sure different than others see you. It's amazing as we look at some of the teenagers, and as you're growing up through the years, you know, you're so awkward from time to time. Let's face it, you go through what's called puberty, and next you can't talk, and you're like, hello, how are you doing today? And, and you've got voice issues, and you've got issues with, with, with all kinds of situations. You know, your body's out of proportion, you know, your feet are longer, and you're, you're still short, and your head's bigger, and your body hasn't caught up, and there's all kind of crazy stuff. And I mean, there's very few teenagers who really maintain this, this constant, continual perfection like I did. <laughs> yeah, right, huh? Man, I I mean, it's tough, isn't it? It's difficult, those transitions in our lives. And all of us have gone through it. But God doesn't see you the way you see yourself. And God doesn't even see you the way others see you. It's it's amazing how God is. Look at Judges chapter 6. I mean, we think of the possibility or the prospect. We, We already noted in this project the purchase and the plan, but the prospect of it all. I mean, we came to this building, and many of us uh, took the opportunity to walk in and look at it and be a part of it and, and sat even in a service where this thing was just gutted and demolished. And I'm sure that there were folks that thought, this will never happen. I still remember being out in public, and somebody came up to me and said, I heard you guys already ran out of money. <laughs> I'm like, really? Where'd you hear that from? Just kind of curious. Where'd you hear it from? Well, somebody from your church was telling me, and I said, I doubt it. I doubt it. I didn't believe that junk. It's funny. People want us to fail, don't they? People want you to fail. Makes them feel better about themselves. But the fact is, God don't want us to fail, and God sees us differently. People say, oh, there's no way you're going to be able to do that. That's impossible. You guys aren't able to do that. You're right. We can't do it, but we got a God bigger than ourselves. And by the way, you have a God bigger in your life, too. If you've been saved and you've trusted and received the Lord Jesus into your life, let me tell you something. He began a good work in you, and he will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ, if you let him. And he'll still perform it, but it will be rocky. Notice, Judges, I love this passage. Verse 11, it says, chapter 6, verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak. Judges 6, verse 11, there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, again, the, the, the children of Israel are, are being oppressed by the Midianites. There's an enemy in the land, and they, they, they are under the, 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 the control of the Midianites. And can I tell you something? Satan is out there trying to oppress you and trying to hold you back and hold you down. It's just life. It's the way it is. But hold on. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to cause you to be afraid. But wait, look what happens here. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Hey, wait a second. Thou mighty man of valor. This guy's hiding what he's harvesting from the Midianites for fear that they'll come and Take it from him. He's scared to death. Hold on. He's a mighty man of valor. How's that possible? Because God sees him well beyond where he stands today. God sees what the potential is. God sees what the prospect in his life is. He sees him the way totally different than his daddy saw him. He sees him totally different than his mama even saw him. He told him totally, well, probably mom saw him that way, but, uh, but dad probably didn't. And then he, he sees him totally different than his friends saw him and totally different than his, than, than his coworkers did. Let me tell you something. God sees you Different. He sees you for what you can be. Can I tell you, people of God, you and I both know this to be the case. Many of us, as we walked through these buildings and saw it totally in disarray, saw what God could do long before it ever happened. The project, you know, the purchase, the plan, the prospect. But I want you to note the process now. Again, He had begun a good work in us, and He'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. That means there's a process that's going to take place then. Because if it's something that's going to take place till the day that the Lord Jesus Christ returns, then it means it's an ongoing thing. Right. Right. It didn't happen once. You didn't just get saved and <laughs> you were a perfect Christian. It's a process that God's going to be molding and God's going to be moving in your life. He's going to constantly, continually be working. Yeah. So for, what's this process? First of all, there's a purging process. A purging process that takes place. When we uh, came into the buildings, and, and, and then a little later in the service, you'll get a chance to see some of this, but we, we uh, had to demolish the place, really. What do we call it? You, demolition. That's, that root word is demolish. Demolition. Demolish. Man, I mean to tell you, you talk about some guys that can destroy some stuff. <laughs> you ladies are like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I asked him to fix the hole in the wall and now there's three. I get it. I understand how that works. But I'm telling you what, these fellas came in here and there's some of you ladies that came in here even and helped wheelbarrow, junk around and do all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something. It was a mess in here. There was a purging that had to take place. We had to remove some debris and clear the site. And we have this wonderful picture in the word of God of of this principle in a life. Look if you would in Jeremiah chapter one, verse 10. We have the prophet Jeremiah now. And he is preparing for ministry, and God has spoken to his heart. And, and notice what he says to Jeremiah here. That's what he says. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. I used to read Jeremiah chapter 1 every day, verses 4 through 10. Every day I would read it. I needed it, that's for sure. I still need it, but... I've kind of turned to a few other scriptures now. As you get older, you need some other things too, like medicine and <laughs> doctors and chiropractors. But anyway, <laughs> notice what it says here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down. Notice what's happening. There's some things being demolished, demolitions taking place. Can I tell you, before the next word takes place, there has to be a removing of the debris. There has to be this element of purging and cleansing and, rem- and, and preparing the site. Why? Because you cannot build on top of the old. You can't build on top of the old. You know, that's, that's a sad thing, but a lot of times Christians find themselves in a place where they're trying to build their new life on the old life. They're not willing to give up the things of the old life, and so they're trying to build the new life. They want Jesus Christ in their life and controlling them, and they want the benefit and blessing of a life that's, you, that's controlled by the Spirit, but they're also allowing their flesh to have control too, and they're saying, I don't understand why I'm so unstable in my Christian life. I don't understand why I struggle with my reading and my prayer life. I don't know why I'm having such a difficult time becoming stable and solid and secure in my faith and in my, in my walk for Jesus Christ. Maybe it's because you're trying to build On the old, there's something that's still laying on the ground. There's still debris that's been destroyed. The Lord came into the the new building. He came into the tabernacle. He came into the new house that he has purchased that is his and rightfully his to do with as he pleases. And he starts to rip down and destroy and tear down so that he can ultimately begin to rebuild. But that rebuilding process demands a purging, a cleansing away of all that old that got tore down. Can't let it hang around. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down and then watch, (laughs) to build and then to plant, to build and to plant. I think what I'm finding here and what it seems to say in some respects in a very practical way is that. Ultimately, he's going to have to tear some things down in our lives from the moment he receives us into his family, from the time that we become his possession. He's tearing down some of the old things, destroying that old life, trying to get us to quit depending on those things that we once depended on. And then there's an element where we have to say, I'm done with it. It's over with. I want nothing to do with my past life. I want Christ to rule and reign in my life. I want Christ to sit on the throne of my life and then there's a building that can take place. Then and only then can he begin to truly build up your faith and build your life. And watch what happens next. There's a planting. You know what that says to me? You'll start to reproduce yourself now. You'll sow seeds of godliness and people will in your family, your children, your faith, your, those friends and others around you, you'll be able to reach them with the gospel and you'll start to see people responding to you as you share truth with them. There'll be an element where now you're, you're, there's a planting that takes place and what comes forth from a planting? Ultimately fruit. Jeremiah You can't accomplish anything until you first tear down some things in the lives of this nation. And then you're going to have to clear away, kind of clear the desk off and clear the the, the job site off so that you can begin to build because then in building you'll find that there'll be some planting taking place and ultimately fruit bearing. So we note the process. It begins with purging, but then we note the preparation and priorities that must take place. Okay, so now we have determined uh, that we have... We've certainly purchased the property and and it becomes ours. And now all of a sudden we go in and we begin to demolition or demolish it and we tear it all down. And I mean, whether it's those big old uh, uh, balcony in the corner, whether it was that, that carousel in the middle, whether it was those turrets around the back, I mean, we're tearing it all down. And we're moving all of that debris out of the way so that we can begin to build now. And when we do this, before we even really start building... We have to prepare and prioritize some things. See, in your Christian life, or in the building, I should say, we we had to identify the materials we needed. We had to set a schedule by which we were going to function and operate. If we didn't have a schedule, we would have never accomplished anything. We had to commit to the project. In our Christian lives, the transforming work of Jesus Christ demands an element of submission and surrender. There's an element where we have to prepare, we have to prioritize, and we find that element in our submission. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not unreasonable, reasonable And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. What does it look like to be conformed to the world? If I asked you that question and I had a piece of paper, an eight and a half by 11, and I put 10 things that would identify you as appearing or being conformed to the world or looking like the world, what are 10 of the things you might put on the list? Don't tell me right now. But in your mind, start to ask yourself, what would it look like? What are 10 things that would, would guarantee that I am conformed to the world that would say that that person's worldly? That person is definitely like the world. I think you've probably had four or five pop up just like that. Let me tell you, if that's the case, they shouldn't pop up in our lives anymore. Those should not be there anymore. Because we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It all starts here. You know why we struggle to deal with this? You know why? Because we haven't dealt with this. You don't take in sin... You don't take in rebellion, you don't take in the the world's attitude toward things and think that you're gonna respond properly. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. I guarantee you, you go ahead and eat or drink enough arsenic, you're gonna get pretty sick. Well, I don't wanna get sick. It doesn't matter what you want, it just happens. And can I tell you as a believer, it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what your goals are and your desires are for Christ. If you keep taking in the world, you will be conformed to it, and so will I. It's just a reality of life. And we, according to the word of God, have to make some preparation and have some priorities if we're going to see God do this work that he told us about in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, if he's truly going to have a clean slate and, and be able to work at the degree and the pace by which he chooses. You've got to present yourself and I need to present myself then. The process, there's a purging process. There's a preparation and priority process there. And then finally, there's a piece by piece process. You know, building can be a pretty slow process, can it? Oh, I know that as well as anybody I think these days, unless you're probably in the building trades. You'd know it better than I, because you do it all the time. But I know just from some of the projects we've had through the church through the years, just uh, some projects I've had in my home, I can tell you it is a slow, arduous issue sometimes. It's horrible sometimes. It drags on and on and on. Look at Isaiah chapter 28, verse 10. This project went on, it seemed like forever. And you say, well, yeah, well, you know, well, w- w- the truth is, you're right, we, we could have probably hired a bunch of people to do the job and it would have got done a lot faster, but then we'd have been in so much debt we couldn't handle it. So we did a lot of the work ourselves, didn't we? Why? Because we wanted to get it done without having a ton of debt hanging over our heads. Notice what he says here in Isaiah 28. Here's the process. Look at this, piece by piece. Isaiah 28, 10. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Do you get what the Bible's trying to express to us? This is a process again. And it's piece by piece. You know, we didn't just build the wall, just one day walk in and boom, walls up. Man, I'm gonna tell you what, there were hundreds and even thousands of two by fours and two by sixes that were metal. And then we had to put all of them up individually. We had to cut every one of them, it seemed like. I mean, it just didn't, it seemed like it was such a, a piece by Peace Project. You know what? That's exactly what your life and my life is like with God. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're kind of like that fast food mentality. You no, know, we want to go through McDonald's line and have a full Happy Meal. But can I tell you, the people that are processing it and, and trying to get it all together before you hit the window, they've been working all day to try to make that happen. There's been, there's been people that were cleaning the night before. There are folks that ultimately were cooking up burgers. There are people that are making the fries. We've had people shipping stuff back and forth. It's like a process. It's a major ordeal. And pretty soon you go through the drive-thru and you say, man, I want that in 30 seconds. And you know what? You don't. But anyway, the the fact is, is it's probably usually a minute and a half at least. But still, it comes out pretty quick. In our Christian lives, you know what we want? We want super Christian overnight. But it is a piece-by-piece process. It's piece by piece. Man, I'll tell you what, thats that, that, that demands an element of commitment. That requires uh, uh, devotion. That doesn't happen overnight, so therefore you can't just be a one-week wonder in the Christian faith. You can't just give it a month's trial. You can't just go, well, I'll try this for half a year. It doesn't work that way. you got to be all in. You need to be all in all the time. Amen. He hath begun a good work in you, and he'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yes. And let me tell you something. It sure goes a lot smoother if you'll let him. And unfortunately, some don't. And it gets ugly. The process, there's a purging process, a preparation and priority process, there's a piece-by-piece process. And you've got to follow the blueprint, piece-by-piece. Piece. I told you the other day, how many times do we have to come back to this plan table and look at those plans? How many times? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to make sure everything was in its place, that it was just like we wanted it to be. Can I tell you? You're going to have to constantly and continually go back to the plans yes, amen. if you want to make sure that you are exactly what God wants you to be. Amen. Yes, Don't assume you are anything, make sure you ask Him and see it in the Word of God. Do not assume anything make sure you see it in black and white, and you'll be better for it. The building process will be much smoother, and God will have his way with you, and you will be pleased he does. We see the project, the prospect, now the process. Excuse me, I said the the project, I should say, and the process, finally the prize. The prize, first of all, the peace found in purpose. There is peace that is found in purpose. Fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life brings a peace. It's amazing what it does. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Notice the Bible says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, not sure if I want to continue. Let's try to get through it. So the peace, the prize. Now here we got the prize, the peace found in purpose. Notice what it says in Philippians 3:12. The Bible says, Not as though I had attained, already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now what I want you to see here from the passage is that Paul understood that he was apprehended. That word apprehended means taken or seized. He was taken or seized by Christ with a purpose or for a reason. And notice he says, I follow after in order to to seize or to take that for which I was taken for. I know it gets confusing, but he's saying, listen, God apprehended me that I would apprehend something that he wanted me to apprehend. Now, again, notice what he's saying here. Let me, let me read it here. He, he says, Not as though I would already attained, either were already perfect, but follow after. If that I may apprehend, he's going to apprehend something. He's going to take or see something that for which also I'm apprehended in Christ. So, I've got a purpose, and I am to seize something or take something. And God seized or took me for that purpose. There's something God wants me to do. He goes on to say, and he says, again, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. So there's something that Christ apprehended him for, seized him, took control of him of took him into the family for. There's a purpose. And he says, that's what I'm shooting for. That's what I'm working at. That's what I'm striving for. And I want to fulfill his God-ordained purpose in my life. He saved me with a purpose. He apprehended me with a purpose that I may apprehend something on his behalf. See, God has something for you to apprehend too, to seize, to take hold of. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, who has saved us. He's talking to Timothy, his his son in the faith. Paul says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He has a purpose for you, a plan for your life even. And he said, I apprehended you, I saved you with that purpose in mind so that you could apprehend, seize, or, or take over that which I've given you to do. So he has a purpose in your life. And as long as you allow God to have his way in your life, you're going to fulfill that purpose. And by the way, can I tell you that it is only in fulfilling your God-ordained purpose that you're truly best served? Frustration, dissatisfaction, and even discouragement is the outcome of a life that's not lived fulfilling God's purpose on purpose. If you don't choose to fulfill his purpose on purpose, you will be frustrated, even discouraged. It's just the way it is. Because you were designed for a reason. Let's assume that I have up here today, um, and I meant to bring one up, but it was kind of late in the season, But let's assume that I have a hammer here, and I have a screwdriver here. Hammer, screwdriver. And I have a piece of wood on the pulpit, and I wanna take that screw that I have here on that pulpit and screw it into the wood. I take that hammer and I set that screw there and I start banging it into the wood. I don't know if you understand this, but screws have those little things around them. And as you're banging it into the wood, oh, it'll hold but you lose all of the tensile strength. You lose all of the strength of that, that screw in that wood because you just created a big hole. Oh, it'll hold a little bit. It'll hold something, and it, for a time being, you'll think it's been pretty successful. I have a swing on my front porch now. My wife's wanted to swing for years. I finally got right, ladies, and got her one. It's only been 20, 25 years. Maybe 30. But see, if you're patient, it'll come. <laughs> Wait on the Lord and your husband. So anyway, I screw these two screws up into, the, into those. I, I hope they're screwed into the right thing. I can't see because there's soffit or something up there. Every time I sit on that, every time I think about her sitting on it, I'm nervous. Because all there is is one screw up in there. You say, oh, you think your wife's, no, I did not say that. Don't even go there. <laughs> I'm just worried. I mean, even when the grandkids sit on it, I'm, I'm pretty good with them. But but when we adults sit down on that thing, I'm thinking, man, if that thing comes out of the ground and it falls to the ground, if your legs are behind it or something, you'd get your legs caught underneath it, and you're like, you're, you're really weird. You think of the worst things. Absolutely, I do. And I think, man, you'll break your ankles, or you'll tear up your legs, or you'll hurt your knees, or maybe you'll fall all the way down, your back will get... Right? I screwed those in and I made sure they were tight. I'm hanging from them, you know. I'm trying to make sure they're in good. But if I'd have hammered them in, those things wouldn't stay after a while. You know what you use for a screw? A screwdriver, because that's what the screwdriver was designed for. You don't use a hammer to pound in a screw, and you don't use a screwdriver to pound in a nail. You get what I'm saying? You use the tool that was designed to do the job. And can I tell you, God has designed you to do something specific. Too many times we're trying to fulfill our own goals, our dreams, and our aspirations, and so we're out there doing things our way, and we don't understand why it's not smooth sailing. Why does it seem to go well for a while, and then everything falls apart in my life? I'll tell you why. Because maybe you've missed his purpose. You're not in the center of his will, possibly, or maybe you've not even found his plan yet. And there's a difference between the will of God and the plan of God. We see right off the bat, there's peace that's found in purpose. But not only that, we see one of the prizes is the praise of God. We see in the, and, and I would have time to turn to Matthew 25, but I don't, but just r- remind you is, remember certain ones were given some talents, and when they came back, the one that was given five and the one that was given ten, they came back to the Lord, and He said what to them? Well done. I'm going to tell you something. I want to hear God say well done to me. He began a good work in us, and perform it to the day of Jesus Christ, but can I tell you, it's important today, it's very important that we understand that we have to yield to the process. Allow God to purge some things, and you take the time to get that sight cleared off, and then the preparation of priorities, the piece by piece that takes place. Allow God to work in that life, in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a day coming, and we're going to stand before God. I want to hear him say, Well done, don't you? Say, so, well, God's going to be the one that does the work. He's the one that's going to change me. Absolutely, but he won't be able to do that without your cooperation. You can go ahead and play that game all day and pretend to be spiritual all you want. But until you yield to the will of God, until you allow God's word to dictate and determine your life and your behavior and your focus and your direction and your attitude, my friend, you are doing it on your own. And let me tell you, that turns out ugly. That's, that is building without a plan. That's building without the blueprint. It's not going to turn out the way God wants it. It may turn out the way you want it, but it won't turn out the way God wants it. And when you stand before him, he will not judge you based on your plan. He's going to pull his plan out and say, how do you measure up? And that's what he's going to do for me. And that's why it's kind of scary sometimes to think about standing before the Lord, isn't it? He talks about the terror of the Lord. We like to skip that portion. The prize, the peace found in purpose. The praise of God. And here's another prize, the prospect of eternity. It's so wonderful, isn't it, when we look at Revelation 21, 4, and he says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Man, that's a wonderful prospect. We're going to have you say, "I'm going to have heaven anyway." I want to have it with God's favor in that sense. I want to go before Him at this judgment seat and hear Him say, "Well done, man." I want all those former things that are passed away to be things that made me into what God intended me to be, because He wants me to be in the image of Christ. Now, hold on. Go ahead and bring the slides up, would you? Because here we are. We're back to our question, really. You and I will never regret being saved and submitting to God's purpose and plan for our lives. You will never regret that. And he wants to renovate your life. And in doing so, he'll provide you with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Right there are nurseries. That's what it looked like. That was the nurseries. See that? Boy, they're wonderful. The children are having a good time today. (laughs) There they are, looking good. You get where I'm going with that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> needs to work a little harder. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. That's the Spanish uh, area in the, the small fellowship hall that we have down there where the kitchen is. That's the one section that leads outside there. Isn't that amazing? That's what it looked like. Oh, there's the auditorium. Amen. Yeah, the old bobcat cleaning up some of that jackhammered uh, uh, concrete here in the pews here. That's something, isn't it? Wow. Look at that. Wonderful. See that up there? That, not these walls. That's back there where the offices were and where now the Sunday school is and where that new uh, fellowship hall has been the back over there. You walk down that hallway and you see the nice walls up on this side that are temporary, so to speak, movable walls, and now you have Sunday school on the left. That's, that's that area. Back there. Back way in the back. Stage. Look at that. Beautiful. Now, notice something happened. That looks different than it did, didn't it? That even looks a lot better than it was. Man, we've created the, the levels now. You notice those levels are there now. And there's all that, that, uh, those, those uh, two-by-sixes uh, reaching the ceiling, about 21 and I think it was 21 and like four inches high or something back there, I think. And we was cutting those at different lengths based on where they fell on the walls. And look at that. I mean, it's making a difference. There's a renovation taking place. There's a transformation taking place. Oh, there's a different, now look at, now all of a sudden there's drywall on the walls. It's still pretty messy, but you'll notice that the ceiling's starting to get cleaned out a little bit. There's still stuff that needs to come out, but there's drywall now in the auditorium. Again, steps. It's a process, piece by piece, one step at a time. Oh man, now all of a sudden we finish the back. Up in the top now you see the grids going in. This grid's up here, they're going into place, and the steps are being made, and, and we're building that all up. The stage is being completed and finished. Again, it's making progress. There's progress taking place. Uh, here a little, there a little, piece by piece. Again, now the grids are completed and we put in some of these, these uh, uh, covered up some of those beams up there and, and things are starting to take shape in the auditorium again. We've got paint lined up. We're ready to take care of all those walls and get things placed in right, looking right with the right colors and things. Again, it's a process. Can I, let me, me, wait wait a second, oh, look, now that that was right before we opened up, and I know that's a panoramic view, and I've even stretched it a little bit, but boy, I mean, things have changed, now we've even got seats in the auditorium, and all the the fixtures are in place, and everything is, the, the carpet is done, and man, it's looking good, and things are ready for business, and by the way, as you look around today, you'll see that there are still some things that are different than they were. Jesus Christ, the Bible says he began a good work in you and he'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this process? We purchased a building and man, I'll tell you what, it was a major renovation. It was a tremendous work that had to take place and it was not something that happened overnight. It was a process, a piece by piece process. But let me ask you, what if we'd stop stopped somewhere back there? What would it look like in here? How practical would it be to use it as a worship area? And what if we didn't, keep going forward? What if we just put a stop to it and cease the construction and cease the renovation and cease the transformation? What if we just said, well, we've gone far enough. We've invested enough time and money. We've done enough already. That's it. I'm done. We're finished. We use it as is. Wouldn't have been very practical, would it? What if somewhere along the line you stop the process? I mean, what if you don't continue to build and allow God to have control? What, what, what shape will you be in when he returns? Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you Will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I know some Christians that haven't yielded though to that work, and man, it is a rocky road. Why does he tell us not to be ashamed of his coming if he's going to do this work? You mean I could, I, he could arrive, he could come back for me, and I could be ashamed of his coming? Why? Could it be that we've opposed the work he's trying to do in our life? And although he's going to perform it till the day of Jesus Christ, he's going to be on the job. We weren't on the job. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What shape will you and I be in when our days on earth are over? Will we be complete or will we be a wreck? Will we hear him say, well done, or will we be ashamed? We go back to the question that we began with, how will you look when he comes? That's a question only you can answer. It's up to you. It's not up to me. I've got to make that decision in my life. You can't make me do anything. I can't make you do anything. How are you going to look when he comes? Let's each each and every one of us ask ourselves that question. He began the work, and he's going to keep working. The question is, will you and I allow him, and will we work with him, or will we work against him? You've been saved. Let him do his work. Yield to him. Surrender to him. Submit to him. You've not been saved yet. There's no better life than the Christian life. Amen. Yeah. It's awesome. Amen. I don't regret it a bit. I love it. It's a joy-filled life. It's a happy life. It's wonderful. I know there's miserable Christians, but I'm not one of them. Can I tell you, according to our preacher last week, there's not very many of them here either, I guess. What did he say last week? This is one of the happiest churches I've been in America. Oh, yeah. People are so happy, he said. Here, can I tell you? I hope that's the way it is when you're not here. Amen. I mean, I, I can't know that for sure, and you don't know that about me. I can only take your word for it. But your faces last week showed that you had a lot of joy, Amen. and I'm very pleased with that. Amen. And I know God is too. If you're lost today, don't you want that in your life too? You want purpose? You want peace? God will give it to you. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us. Thank you, Father, for beginning that work and being willing to perform it till the day of Jesus Christ, for being willing to keep at it and keep on us. And, Father, I'm so happy about that. I'm so thankful that, Father, you don't give up on me. You don't give up on any of us. But, Lord, sometimes, although you're willing to do the work and you're constantly working at us, we may not be yielded in working with you, Help us, Lord, to make a conscious decision to do so. I think about the new believers. There might be a number of new believers here today as a result of our soul winning. I see some guests, maybe they've come as a result of visiting with us and or somebody's talked to them at the door and encouraged them I pray, Lord, that if they don't know Christ, they'd realize that they need to make a conscious decision to accept and receive Jesus, and it is the best life ever. It's so worth trusting Christ. And if they have trusted Christ at a door or possibly even in their life at some point, and they're visiting with us today, they need to know that they need to take the first step of obedience after being saved. That's baptism. Lord, we never go wrong obeying you and letting you do your work in our lives. And it is a perfect work. And we are so imperfect. It's going to be filled with ups and downs because you're dealing with us. But Lord, we thank you that you don't quit on us. You begin it and you continue in it. Be glorified. We'll thank you in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed. I wonder today,